Wow, thank you so much. It's awesome to be able to be broadcasting to you online today here from our live broadcast uh, facility in our Boswell location, Victory Life Church. A very big welcome to you if you're joining us for the very first time in the room online. It's really awesome that you can be with us from wherever you are on this very special weekend at Victory Life Church as we embark on Victory Life Church Mission Weekend. It's all about missions. Now, you might be thinking, oh, that's great. It's nice to be able to stand, sit down and listen or stand or sit, whatever you're doing. It's nice to be able to listen to the mission statement of the church, the mission statement of the church. It's nice to be able to sit back on a Sunday and, and take in, hey, this is what the church is planning to do over the next couple of months or a year as regards its mission, its direction. Now, if this was a directional message as regards where the church was going, I wouldn't be the one bringing it to you. Our senior pastor, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff, or our senior executive pastor, Pastor Jacob Sheriff, would probably be the one telling you about the mission. No, no. This weekend is all about your mission. It's all about your contribution towards the momentum that the church's impact will have over the next year. We know because Jesus Christ has ordained the church, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, he gave us a vision statement. He gave us a mission statement. If we tell the story of Jesus Christ, we have a mission and vision statement. The church is going to have momentum. Why? Because Jesus has ordained the church to have momentum and impact. But the kind of impact that it can have, Greater, lesser, further, farther, shorter, not so much, great deal. That all hinges on whether or not you are able to wake up to your mission call, your personal contribution towards the church's missional momentum. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word mission, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm African. Maybe it's because I, I come from Africa and have done a lot of mission work in Africa and have seen a lot of people from all countries like where you come from coming over to Africa to do mission work. But when I hear the word mission, my brain just can't make the stop in making the leap towards missionary and serving in Africa, digging wells, uh, feeding the poor. I don't know why, but Maybe, maybe you like me and that's what happens in your mind when you think of the word mission. And when I look at the word mission now, there's an apprehension or not an apprehension, there's an excitement because our whole family is wrapped up in a mission at the moment. We came all the way around the world from South Africa to be here in America because we really felt that God was calling us to bring a little bit of Africa to the Americas, a little bit of reverse missionary work, as it were, because we always have the American folk coming over to Africa for mission-based trips. Well, our family is currently on a mission from Africa to America, and that sounds crazy, but it's just, hey, what is our contribution? And there's an apprehension, or there's an expectation, or there's an excitement that goes off in us as Christians when we hear that word mission. Now, it might not be an excitement for us. We might think, hey, I'll fund a mission trip, or I'll pray for a mission trip, or I'll, I'll meditate on a mission trip, or I'll fast for the missionaries, or I'll send the missionaries some money. No, no, we're talking about, hey, what is your personal mission trip? What is your personal mission activity? And when we think of this word mission, it means that we need to get up from where we are and not just make statements about having vision, but really get stuck in to some action around having vision and mission. As a church, we speak about mission a lot. 
as a church, as, as Christians, certainly on the online platform, I know in the midweek messages and, the, and, the, and, and what Pastor Dwayne shares with us on a regular basis, we talk about our mission a lot, what we're supposed to be doing and what we're supposed to be going out and teaching. We talk about being the light of the world a lot. We speak about it in an intense amount of time is spent deliberating around how we can best achieve the mission of the church. I want to tell you today that the best way of achieving the mission of the church is to help individuals like you and like me unlock their personal mission field, unlock their personal mission activity, and let that become a collective, elevating the the noise that the church is making towards the goodness of worshiping a good God. You see, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14 says this, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Now, if we've been speaking a whole lot about mission, we've certainly not achieved what we need to achieve. According to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14, when we achieve our mission, the end will come. Don't know about you, but I haven't seen Jesus returning. And if Jesus is waiting for our mission to reach its crescendo before he returns, according to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14, well, then we can talk about it all night long, all day long. We've still got some work to do because Jesus hasn't returned yet. Jesus hasn't come back to say, hey, it's time. This good news of the kingdom needs to be preached to all the world so that nations will hear and accept it. And then the end will come. As Christians, we sometimes get wrapped wrapped up on thinking that we are waiting on God for Jesus to return. And if we are in that space, we are putting the onus of Jesus to have a mission so that we can excuse us having a mission. We are saying, hey, Jesus, will you get to work on your mission on returning We're busy waiting here for you. We're waiting on you to come. And Jesus' mission to coming to earth has already been fulfilled to unlock your mission. And he's sitting waiting on you to fulfill your mission before he can return. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14 says that we need to reach the world for Jesus. And then Jesus will return. We can't just be talking about it. We can't just be printing t-shirts about it. We can't just be sending the select few to some select African countries about it. No, there's a whole lot more at stake and work to do around the mission, our individual mission, than just sitting back and watching a few do what Jesus has called us all to do. You see, mission is what Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. We have to start taking baby steps towards understanding that we have a mission to reach the world, all nations, so that Jesus can return. We have a mission to go, not stay, go and make disciples. At the moment, as we broadcast around the world on the online platform, we are busy leveraging possibly the world's most advanced process in being able to reach millions for Jesus. You can be at home in your living room leading a life group and leading people to Jesus and you haven't actually even come into contact face to face with anybody. But you can still be making a missional impact while you're sitting in your living room. 
This is not about getting up and buying a ticket to Malawi or to Zimbabwe or to any other African country. This is about standing up in faith inside your spirit man and saying, I have a role to play in the global mission of the Capital C Church. You have to walk across the room before you can walk across the world. You have to stand up from where you are spiritually and get excited about being on fire in the spirit, spiritually alive, spiritually on fire for the mission that God has asked you to do so that Jesus can return. And you have to stand up from where you are and you need to get walking across the room you're in before you can walk across the world we've been asked to preach the gospel to. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've, I've walked into a room, and, and I know if, if Leanne is, is busy watching this at the moment, she probably is, but my wife Leanne will attest to this. I, I get very nervous because I'm, I'm, I think in images. And so when I, when I think in images, I remember people's faces I remember people's circumstances. I remember people's emotions. I remember people's spiritual needs before I remember their name. Hey, I'll be able to walk up to you after having met you 10 years ago and remember that I prayed for you, but I won't be able to remember your name. I've got this little thing that I do and I will ask people, hey, what? maybe I'm letting a secret out the bag here. But I walk up to them and say, hey, what's your name again? And they'll say, John. And I'll go, no, I know it's, I know it's John. I was asking what your surname or your last name was cover. But I have an intrinsic inability to remember people's names. And it's not that I don't value you. It's just that I have, I look at and remember other things. And so when I look at it, I've been working hard over the last couple of years at developing the ability to remember a person's name. But have you ever walked into a room and you know that you should know the person's name that you're about to encounter but you don't remember their name. Or you look at them and you really recognize them and you know that they've had a large part to play in something in your life, but you just can't place them. Or the best, when you know somebody really well, but you see them in a different context and you can't remember knowing them at all. But as you sit in that room and there's a lot of people maybe, and it's, maybe it's, a, it's at a coffee shop and there's a bit of a hustle and bustle, you try and avoid eye contact because you don't want to engage because you don't really know. So you stay planted. You avoid eye contact. You don't get all gregarious and loud and draw attention to yourself because you'd hate for the person that you should know that you can't remember their name or details about to come across and start up a conversation. And in that moment, because you've got that apprehension, because you think you should know, but you don't know, because you think that you just don't quite remember enough, don't quite know enough, can't put that person's face to a place that you should rather cower in the corner. Well, it's the same with missions. When that anxiety hits, maybe we should go, maybe we shouldn't go, maybe I don't know where to go. Should I go to this place? Shouldn't I go to that place? Where do I go? You might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't know where to go, so I'm going to stay planted right where I am in my room, and I'm not going to go anywhere. I don't know what to say. I don't know what scriptures to do. I don't know how to preach the gospel. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. But you see, the difference with this is, is that even though you don't know, you know the name of the people or the person that you're speaking about, because the name at the center of our mission is Jesus Christ. 
The name at the center of every room that we need to walk across before we can walk across the world is Jesus Christ. That uncomfortable feeling of not knowing enough to go means that you'll never go at all. You'll never step out and walk across the room before you walk across the world. But Jesus came so that he could show you how. He didn't just walk across the room. He walked across the universe to make sure that you knew of his name. He walked across that universe for you so that you could get up and walk across the room in his name. We only have to remember one name when we stand up in our missional rooms and get moving, and that's the name of Jesus. We don't have to think about, oh, but hang on, I won't be right for that culture, or my sister-in-law won't listen to the gospel from me, or my father will never receive Jesus with me in the room. We don't have to be thinking about that because Jesus knows that if you use his name as you walk across your missional room, all things are possible, all worlds will, worlds will come down, all things and barriers will not be of any consequence. And when we collectively start doing that in our own missional rooms, not even the gates of hell will stand against us. That elephant in the room moment is probably what you've been living with. You're a Christian and you really know you should be doing something with that Christianity, but the elephant in the room is that, hey, you've been doing very little with it other than pandering to your own Christian needs. Ouch. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 shows us a process that Jesus has put in place so that you can know that you have a mission and you have a part. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, and we covered this last Wednesday evening and Thursday evening, no matter wherever you listen to it. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says this, So now there is no condemnation. In your Christian missional room, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you already belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Adam and Eve had plenty of excuses not to get going when they were found in a moment of sin, when they were found in a moment of inadequacy, when they were found not recalling the mission and vision that God had given them in Eden. They had plenty of excuses. This woman, this snake, they had plenty of excuses. But you see, when we believe that we can step across an immediate room, our family member, our next door neighbor, right here in the church, Hey, the front row right now, coming up and receiving some prayer or giving prayer with other people in this church, the front row right now might be just as far away as Malawi or Zimbabwe to you. Because you know where you're going, you know where you're at, you know where you want to be, so that's where you stay. But if we can stay there, we're going to die there. If we're going to put roots down to our own selfish needs... We're going to get selfish and we're going to be living a life of excuses. It's what happened to Adam and Eve. They wanted to be like God. They wanted to take control. They wanted to be self-centered. They wanted to know what was going on. They wanted to be in control of their situation and not God. They wanted the knowledge. They didn't want to walk in faith. And so they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, took on the knowledge and realized that they should be living a life of faith. And they died there. In fact, God said, the moment you decide that you want to decide what's good and what's right and what's wrong, and you're dwelling in that space of, of knowing what, or, or thinking that you know better than faith, 
You'll never know better than faith. Faith is about unknowing. It's about the unknown. It's about coming to the front to share a prayer with somebody and not knowing what you're going to pray or who you're going to pray for. It's about bumping into somebody in the local store and sharing Jesus with them, not knowing how they're going to respond or if they're going to laugh at you. It's about that. That's what we call to do. Walk in the unknown of faith in Jesus Christ. And when we can get to walking in the unknown of faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to be free from our self-centeredness, and all of a sudden, all of the mercy, all of the grace, all of the love that Jesus has bestowed upon you is going to start flowing to others. But while you're hoarding it all up, because you don't quite know, you don't think you're good enough, you don't think you have enough, it's never going to flow. What I'm trying to say to you today is if you want to get into the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have got to go in Jesus' name. If you want to get into the flow, you've got to go. And I'm not talking about Malawi. I'm not talking about some, some far distant land. No, I'm just talking about start in your room. Start with the people around you. Start with the people in your city. Start with the people in your suburb. Start with the people in your region. Start with your family. Go. Not just to be a loving father to your family, no, to preach the gospel to your family, to hold Jesus up as the King of kings and Lord of lords in any situation to anybody in your family. That is our mission. And so as we begin to unpack this Romans chapter in Romans chapter 8, we see that that first verse says to us that there's no condemnation. The last verse, Romans chapter 8 and verse 39, says to us that there's no separation from God. Why? Because Jesus walked across the room for you. He's not separate from you. He has drawn close to you. He's come in amongst us. He's walked across the universe. There will never ever be separation. We will always have the name of Jesus to back us up as we go in faith. We will always have his spirit. We will always have his power. We will always have his strength. There is no separation from the motivation for our mission. Our motivation will never wane. Our motivation will never go away. Our motivation will never change. Our motivation always remains Jesus Christ. And there is no separation from that motivation. And so Romans chapter 8 starts with no condemnation. It ends with no separation, and in between is all about no defeat. The whole of Romans chapter 8 is the reason why you need to walk across the room, because you can't get it wrong in the name of Jesus. If you walk across your room to affect change in somebody else's life in the name of Jesus, you can't get it wrong. You might be laughed at, that's not getting it wrong. You might be scoffed at, that's not getting it wrong. You might even be thought to be the crazy Christian. That's not getting it wrong. When we think that being laughed at is the reason we should sit down, when we think that being questioned about our faith is the reason that we should be sitting down, when we think that an accusation should keep Jesus quiet, that is wrong. I know that when I go for Jesus, I'm going to be laughed at. I'm going to be accused. I'm going to be looked at and, and, and studied and, and not in an admira, admira, admiration kind of way. My, my mouth got ahead of my brain. 
People aren't going to admire me for telling them that, hey, Jesus, you need Jesus. When I walk up to somebody in the, in the store and they, they got no money and they, they're busy doing all sorts of things with their money that they shouldn't be doing, and I walk up to them and say, hey, can I help you with some finances to pay for your groceries? That's not talking Jesus. But if I can tell them that if they give their finances to Jesus, they won't need to receive my help because they'll have Jesus' help, and they turn around to me and say, that's just a load of baloney. That's just a load of garbage. I know I'm doing right. I know that where I speak Jesus' name, I'm going to get ridiculed. I'm going to get accused. But then I know I'm right. I know I'm walking in the right way. I know that I'm not detaching myself from Jesus and attaching myself to my own selfish comfort zone. You cannot get this wrong. With no defeat, with no condemnation, and with no separation, we have every reason to have confidence in our mission in faith. We might have confidence but we might not have the knowledge. We might not know where we're going. We might not know who we're going to speak to. But we know that there's no condemnation in Jesus, that there is no separation from him, and that we will not be defeated. And so Jesus uses this Romans chapter 8 to kind of summarize what he did for us to give us the ability to have a mission. You see, we always think that, that Jesus gave us a mission, well, Jesus gave us a mission, and he gave us the information so that we'd know how to do it. We'd know that we had everything we needed to do it. That scripture, sits, Romans chapter 8, sits really neatly with Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 to 5. Have a look at this. We're going to break the scripture down and get three steps. Learn three things from Jesus that we can apply to our personal, personal mission field. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 5 says this. But then, or but when, say with me, the right time. Say it at home. The right time. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a wooden woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom. Say freedom. For us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own child, children. There are three things that stand out for me in that scripture as Jesus tells us the reason we can walk across the room and then walk across the world. The first, that scripture opens by saying, but when the right time came, Jesus walked across the room, he walked across the universe, was part of a plan. It was part of a divine plan. There was a right time for him to come. There was a right time for him to speak. There was a right time for him to land in your life. There was a right time when the needs were at the highest, when Jesus stepped in. There's a right time for your salvation. There's a right time for you to speak to somebody. There's a right time. And God is looking to prompt you at the right time. But Jesus takes that first step towards loving you at the right time. Mission doesn't just happen. Mission needs to be planned. Mission is not something that we just haphazardly do. No, we have to plan in our hearts that today I'm stepping out missionally. 
I'm going to be a missionary today. We have to plan that. We have to put ourselves into situations that might allow us to speak more readily the name of Jesus than other situations. We have to be part of a plan just like Jesus was part of a plan. Then if you have a look at the next part of that scripture, God sent who? God sent his son. Mission, divine mission of Jesus Christ had a plan and was built around a specific person. He was built, it was built around Jesus. Think about this now. It wasn't built around some organization that will get it done. And there are plenty of parachurch organizations that are doing phenomenal work around the world today. I'm not knocking that. But Jesus is currently on the inside of you. And if the mission of the church is based on Jesus, then the mission of the church is based on you. If Jesus had a plan and Jesus knew it was about him, well then so too today, we knowing that Jesus is on the inside of us, have to have a plan because we are it. The whole church's mission is built around your mission. If you don't have a mission, if you don't have a mission here, if you don't have a mission at home, the church's mission begins to falter. Don't think that you're going to walk into this church and because of the organizational momentum of what the church is doing, you can tick the box of saying, well, I'm doing mission because my church is doing mission. Your church will only do mission if the individual parts of the church do mission. The, the church will only begin to make effect in the room and across the world if people step up across and walk across their room to the need and to their world to, for the need. So the first is that Jesus showed that to do mission properly, you have to have a plan. The second is that it is built around a person and not an organization. It was built around Jesus and not an organization. That person was sent by God the Father in the personage of Jesus Christ. Then if you have a look at the rest of that scripture, verse 5 goes on to give us the why. He came with a plan. He came in person. And hey, he came with a purpose. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. He came with a plan. He came in person. And he came for a specific purpose. Our scripture says that he came to redeem those under the law. That would be you and me. And now he's saying, according to Romans chapter 8, you can do those three things without condemnation, without separation, and without failure. You, can you too can have a plan to reach those around you, walk across the room. You too can engage in an active plan to walk across the world, to go to a mission field, to do something crazy for Jesus. You too can understand that it's not based on the person next to you. It's not based on the person to the other side of you. That it's based on you. You have a very unique purpose and a very unique offering to that purpose to help others find the redemption of Jesus Christ and freedom from the law. What do your first steps look like then? If Jesus took those first steps, had a plan, had a person, had a purpose, well then maybe you too can adopt those three things in your approach to mission. So the first is that, hey, you have to have a plan. 
But you're never going to have a plan. You're never going to feel like you're the person. And you're never going to feel like your mission has a purpose if you don't realize that all three make up a very unique offering to the church. One that nobody else in the entire millions of people that make up the Christian church can offer. You have been equipped with a very unique past, a very unique family, a very unique set of educational processes that have gone in your life, a very unique set of circumstances that you have in your life. Every unique circumstance that you've ever walked through is shaping a very unique mission that you will eventually walk out. Every unique circumstance that you have ever walked through has shaped an eventual mission that is unique that you will walk out. And so when we have a look at this, people come to me in the church and say, but Craig, I don't have the gifts to go on a mission. I don't have the gifts to pray for people. I don't have the gifts to hand food out to people. I don't have the gifts to pray Jesus into every situation. You do. Why don't you do it for us? I can't because I haven't walked your past. I haven't walked your circumstance. I don't get the people you get. I don't speak the language that the people that God is sending you to speak. Because why? His plan for your mission is that it's based on a person. Hey, that person is you. You're it. I can't be it for you. You have been called into a very specific set of circumstances right now to be Jesus. I can't be there for you. Leanne cannot be there for you. It is what it is. And you're it. So when we think about it, the reason we want to go out and be it is because Jesus Christ made it about us. He extended grace so that you could operate in that grace and extend the grace. He extended it to you so you could extend it to others. I often think of the very first day I arrived at Fire Station A in Cape Town as a new recruit. I was set to become a firefighter, rescue medic, and I was set to work for Cape Town Fire and Rescue. And as I walked into the station for the very first time, the nine o'clock bell sounded and an announcement came out over that all new recruits had to report to the store. Of course, we didn't have any gear. We only had our training gear. We didn't have our actual real gear. And so, and I remember him clearly, DCO Cochran, hey, uh, Cockrell, hey, Mr. Cockrell, if you're watching this today, it was you who met me in that store many years ago, and you provided this, this illustration. What would happen would be is that you would present who you were, and they would look up on the system where you'd been trained and what you'd been trained in, and then would issue you necessary personal gear. And so I began the process of going through a checklist in this massive storeroom of firefighting and rescue equipment and getting all of my personal gear. I had to get fire belts and I had to get, I had to get my necessary boots and I had to get certain shirts and trousers and coveralls and suits and helmets and gloves and, and I had to get all this equipment. I had to fit it and make sure it was just right for me. And once I'd gathered up all of my equipment in a big steel box, I would take that to my room and I would unpack it in a very specific order so that I would know how to grab it in the moment that I needed it into a cupboard. That cupboard would be locked with a lock of mine 
and I would make sure that no one took my gear because when I got a specific call out to a specific rescue need, I needed to grab the right gear at the right time. But I didn't leave the cupboard locked. I didn't leave my gear locked behind that cupboard. No, I knew that some of that equipment needed to be used to have a use. Some of that equipment needed to be operated daily, tested daily. My breathing apparatus on every single fire pump, I needed to make sure that the seals were good, that, that my mask fit properly to my face. I tested it and used it every single day to make sure that when I needed it, when I really needed it, I was good to go. I didn't just sit there in my room with my cupboard locked going, hey, I've got all this gear. No, to be able to be called a rescue medic, to be able to be called a fire and rescue practitioner, I needed to practice what I'd been given. I needed to share the equipment that I'd been given with others to save their lives. You have been given all of the equipment you need. The moment I said yes to becoming a firefighter and they heard my yes, they trained me, they equipped me, and they sent me out with that equipment to do the job at hand. Jesus has given us every single thing we need to go out and rescue people. Jesus has given us every single piece of equipment. But as Christians, we are sitting on our bed in our room with the cupboard of equipment locked up in our hearts going, thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for your power. Thank you, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the lock stays tightly locked and it never gets out. It never walks across the room and it never saves somebody. Jesus asked us to go and save and baptize. When last did somebody look you in the eyes and say, help me understand Jesus? Jesus, when last did you take somebody down to the bathtub, to the river, to the lake, to the dam, to the swimming pool and baptize them? No, no, no. That's the pastor's job. No, that equipment has been placed in your cupboard. It's been given to you to make available to others so that they can receive the glory of no condemnation, no separation and completely no failure. That is our mission. We hold back. We stand in the room thinking, I don't know their name. I don't know where they come from. Man, what happens if I give and they misuse what I've given? <laughs> Jesus Christ was often misused after what he gave, but he gave it anyway. We have been given a plan. Oh, but, but I'm waiting on God's timing. No, no, Jesus is waiting for you to realize that your time is now. Yeah, I'm just waiting for God to give me the call. No, God called you. God sent his son so that you would hear the calling. He couldn't make the calling any louder. He couldn't give us instructions any louder. Your timing is now. Turn to your friend, your neighbor, your partner. Say to somebody in the chat room, my timing is now. Now is the time. Now is the moment. Now is the time to step up in confidence and in faith. You might be thinking, well, that's the plan. I'm going to go now. Where? I don't know. That's the whole joy of faith. Faith is not about knowing. If we know, we'll plan on our own accord. If we don't know, we have to plan with God. And that's what we meant to do. The less you know, the more you go in faith. 
the more that you can take on and let God open doors for you supernaturally, the more that you can go in not knowing, knowing that Jesus is going to conquer, knowing that Jesus is going to not condemn, knowing that Jesus is not going to be separate from you, knowing that you cannot fail when you go in Jesus' name. Now we're talking about not knowing, but going anyway. The plan is just to simply go now and make disciples. Now. Whether that's to speak to your family, whether that's to speak to your neighbors, whether that's to speak on the, on the local city council, whether that's to speak wherever you have a possibility of having a voice, speak. Whether that's on Facebook, whether that's on Twitter, whether that's on Instagram, whether that's on Snapchat, whatever you can use to speak about the name of Jesus, start today. We speak more about the meals that we eat than the eternity that's been given to us. We speak more about what's happening to us than what Jesus did to us on our social media platforms. Oh, if only Jesus could be glorified as much as that cute kitten and cat that was filmed doing something crazy. Oh, if only we could use the platforms we've been given to go and go now, but we use our platforms to criticize, to complain, to moan, to, get, to offer up issues instead of offering up the name of Jesus into every situation and providing scriptural backing for why what he has taught us will always end in no condemnation, no separation, and in his name, no failure. We know how to complain we know how to take photographs of our food and send that across the, the airwaves. But because we don't know quite how Jesus will be received from our friends and family when we post it out, we step back. God is saying now, go now. Oh, but where? Here. Where's here? Wherever you are. I don't know. Where must I go? Should I go to Malawi or should I go to Zimbabwe? I'm wondering after this preach if the Malawi and Zimbabwe are going to have a whole influx of mission trips. But, but the fact remains is that you are sent to go now and you are sent to go here. Where's here? Right where you are. Your unique past creates a unique focus for you to step out right here and right now. What's your purpose? What have I got to do? Do I need to take people uh, soup? Do I need to send them meals? Do I need to adopt a child from a foreign country? What must I do, Pastor Craig? What must I do? I don't know. Do something in faith. Do something different. Your purpose is simple. To learn how to love people really, really well. Your purpose is straightforward. To love people like Jesus loved them. Be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit when you're doing that. Good is in you, so when the time comes for you to do good, you'll want to do it, you'll know how to do it, you'll know where to do it, and you'll know when to do it. If you truly believe that goodness, one of the pieces of equipment locked in your cupboard, has been given to you by God to fight the fine fight and to reach others in love, well then, take goodness out every now and then and let it shine, despite maybe being misused, despite being abused, despite being taken up the wrong way. Take goodness out of the closet every now and then and let it shine. Goodness is on the inside of you and you get really good at showing goodness to others, showing mercy to others, showing what that, the love of Jesus to others. You'll watch. It'll become more and more habitual and more and more easy to do and more and more relevant in every situation you're in. I want to ask you today, does your desire to do good trump your desire to do nothing?
Your desire to do nothing is excuse-based. But your desire to do something is faith-based. They say that the opposite of faith is fear or doubt. I say no, the opposite of a life of faith is a life of excuses. Leave your circle of comfort. Listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, but leave your circle of comfort. Hey, if you've been in the same life group for the last 15 years, and it's been the five of you, the five of you and no more, hey, it's time for you to leave that life group and start a new one. Hey, if you've been in the same church with the same group of friends, it's time for you to walk from that side of the church across the room to this side of the church and get involved with somebody you would never normally get involved with. Get moving to another part. Get out of your circle of comfort. Malawi is just as far away as the front row of the church. Be willing to enter this zone of the unknown. Faith creates growth. Faith is about the unknown. Your growth will only come from stepping into the unknown in faith. There's no growth in knowing. If I know that if I do this, I'm going to get that result, so I just keep on doing that to get that result. That's no excitement. There's no growth in that. That's stagnation. That's mediocrity. But if I'm willing to allow the unknown and the faith of Jesus Christ to well up in me and grow me, man, I'm going to reach people that have never thought of being reached. If you only ever step into the known, you're never ever really leaping in faith. You might walk in understanding, but you run in glorious faith. Take the right steps was something that somebody once said to me. Oh, well done, Craig. You're taking all the right steps to get there. I don't want to take the right steps. I want to grow in leaps and bounds and run with Jesus in faith into the unknown. I don't care if people don't like me. I want to speak Jesus because I know in him there is no condemnation. There is no separation. And man, in Jesus Christ and in faith, there is no failure. Now... I can go. I have a plan. I know that it's been put in on the inside of me. I, there is a person to my mission. It's me. I have a plan. God has called me. And man, I have a purpose. I might not know how I'm going to do any of those things. But I know that I'm going to step in to the zone of the unknown. This is the excitement of being a missions-based church. Not a church that does missions, but a church based on people that love sharing Jesus Christ with others, no matter where they are, no matter when they're there, and no matter how they're going to do it. They're going to stop short only of sin to win and save the lost. Wow. Welcome to being a mission-based church, a church where every single member online or in the room has a mission. That's what we're about. Have you decided in your heart today to have a mission? Don't worry about what the mission is. Just know that you have a unique vision and a unique mission that you can offer the church. I want to take a moment as we close today to pray for those who have genuinely stepped out on their mission field. Missionaries around the world that are serving in very difficult circumstances. I want to pray for them. I want to thank God that they have gone now, that they have gone to where they've been called and they're walking out their purpose. Father, I ask that you stir up in us a desire to be like them. Father, I pray that every single missionary around the world 
whether it's been reverse missionary from South Africa to America, whether it's been from America to some African country, or if it's been from the United Kingdom or from Australia, no matter where there is a missionary claiming to be on a mission because of you, we pray right now that their work, that their person, that their plan and that their timing and their purpose is focused completely on you. We pray no separation, no condemnation, and in your name in faith, no failure. Father, to every single person who wants to go and do something, who wants to click on that banner, scan that QR code, and find out about a local or international mission that they can be part of. Father God, let nothing stop that. Bandwidth aplenty so that that click can go through. The form will work. Everything will happen so that I can start expressing my now. Father, for everybody who has a dream, we know that you will always pay for what you order. Finances right now for those who are picking up this understanding of I'm going to go. I don't know where, but I'm going to go. We release finances. Father God, visas and passports. We release those issues right now in Jesus' name. And we pray for every single person that is stirred in their mission and in their purpose to start walking it out. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Wow. Well, for those of you who are participating here in the room and for those of you who are participating at home, hey, you can, no matter where you are in the world, you can click on that link right now. You can click on the QR code if you're watching on Apple TV and Roku. Hey, in the room, you can open up your apps. You can even open up the apps at home and you'll be able to find out a little bit more about how you can participate in a formal mission trip. Now, remember, we're not only talking about formal mission trips today. We're talking about getting the stirring, then believing that you have been given a mission and that you are on a mission. Now the manifestation of that could be in a formal mission trip. If that's you, hey, there's information. I know for us here in the congregation, we have been pining for this day for a little while already. Well, the 2020 mission trips for Victory Life Church have been made available. They're on that link right now. And hey, we'd love to receive your applications from wherever you are in the world if you wish to participate with one of the local or international missions that we have on that page. So click away, go and find out. Even if you don't necessarily have all the details, submit an inquiry form and say, hey, I'm interested. I realize today that I have a mission heart. Every one of us does because we've all been called by Jesus. If you've been called and been given the gifts, you are to go. You have a mission. And so as we begin to understand that we have a mission and that we can be on mission from wherever we are, whatever timing, hey, you might want to investigate all sorts of things. Get hold of your local missions organization. If there's not something there that, that you can appeal to, get hold of your, your local food bank. Get hold of something. Start something if it's not there, but get involved. Hey, if there's something on those pages right now that doesn't appeal to you, that you think, no, none of that really works for me, just click on the connect banner and say, hey, pastor, I'm thinking about this, or can you put me in contact with that? I'd love to know how to. We'd love to be able to connect your personal mission with the ability to walk it out. We are connected because we are leaders in the church, and we'd love to be able to use that connectivity and that network so that you can start working out your mission. Thank you so very much for joining us here on this mission weekend at Victory Life Church. We love you and we appreciate you. Know for a fact that there is no separation. There is no condemnation. And there will, in Jesus' name, be no failure as you step out on your personal mission. I look forward to seeing you really soon again here at Victory Life Church online.